0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Net Positive Podcast,
1: a podcast which educates and inspires marketers, product managers, and companies in the best way to generate and optimize your flows.
0: We're your hosts, Matt Brown and Jess Walker, and we will bring you the latest on how to improve your signup flow, increase your leads, and grow your business. Let's, let's jump, jump in. in. Today, we are speaking with the fantastic Teresa Huang who has been in product management for over five years and has worked in a variety of industries from finance, media, health, and aviation. We discuss the difference between product management in the startup world versus the corporate world. We also discuss agile and lean methodologies and how to retain customers within a competitive environment. Her insight into creating stickiness and building loyalty within a community make this a great lesson. Let's dive in.
1: G'day, Teresa. Welcome to the Net Positive Podcast. Thanks for being with us.
0: Thanks for having me. You
1: know, you've had a, a really unique career. So, you, you had a, a big corporate career that sort of morphed into startups and now into one of the biggest tech successes from our region. We'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey today. I
2: guess I started, you know, my career as a business analyst in the background, um, really embedded in agility, delivering projects. Um, predominantly, it's always been IT and digital product uh, projects around the banking sector. The airlines um, and the media, so we started off with that, and then slowly took on a, a side hustle or a side gig. Learned lots about uh, product management, uh, thinking fast. Don't need you know everything around you um, just to get it up and running, um, and then uh, building products. Understanding once you roll out that product, what's the kind of growth plan that you're going to have for this platform so it's not about executing it's also about putting people on the platform and keeping them there as well so learned a lot around uh, growth hacking what they call it in startup really different ways to work with influencers working with the media try to get more exposure and about what the startup is about on the platform and why people should go up there I was working at NAB at the time and was working in the innovation lab and they were all about kind of bringing a lot of startup people and entrepreneurs into the organization to, to look at, you know, what are the different you know pillars that the bank can kind of break out just to create a different types of product streams rather than the everyday uh, home loans or banking, et cetera. Um, my manager at the time realized I had a startup and so she's like, why don't you just have the product owner role? you know, at at NAB. Um, So she saw that I was super hungry for the opportunity and, um, you know, great leaders can see, you know, people really wanted to kind of change their career path. And so she gave me a really massive starting point in product. And then that got me the next gig into uh, Medibank, looking at all their digital product suites, uh, focusing on acquisition and retention, and then predominantly working more on retention on the mobile platform. Uh, from then, a uh, series of you know working with other startups, understanding how uh, you know we grow um, their products as well, just kind of being advisory and helping out the community because I realize uh, you know helping other people is is just really is just what I really like to do. Awesome, um, and just volunteering in those programs and actually meeting a lot of people because. In product management, you never stop learning because mm. there's technology is constantly shifting. And then, yeah, just uh, in November, um, I just landed a really awesome gig in Zero and focusing on their uh, mobile uh, platform strategy. And what this is essentially is looking at across the whole entire organization and how do we organize our mobile app suites because there's so many in the market um, and increasing effectiveness internally in terms of when they build the. Mobile apps, how do we set up in the right infrastructure so the product teams, each vertical product teams just focus on building and evaluating their product rather than worrying about all the you know yearly upgrade in iOS, et cetera. Like we could help them uh, remove
0: that pain point. Wow, that's amazing. So you've obviously had a very varied and interesting career to date. So you've gone from you know your early stage startups. Was that with Marco Poli? Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah, so Marco Polo, through to you know your massive corporations like Midibank and Zero, have you seen a big difference in how you work as a product manager between the startup and corporate? And what kind of skills could you transfer between the two?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, jumping from you know working in parallel, startup and corporate, um, the the skill that I bring from my startup into corporate is really the mind, uh, mindset that we have in kind of startup is mm-hmm. that don't be afraid of uncertainty. Because there's so many in the corporate area that, um, you know, you need to push through it. You need to think of uncertainty as an opportunity um, because that's what we see in startup. Like startup would only work on things or most people work on things where there's a gap and there's opportunity and they'll just go for it. Uh, you keep working through the problem with your team. Um, for me also is focus is a really big key in corporate because there is so many people wanting you to do so many different things. Yeah. How do you focus and prioritize uh, your team to work on the th- three top most valuable thing for your product? Yeah. So for me is always bringing back and understanding the problem really well, why we're working on it and continuously telling my team, you know, this is why we're focusing on this and, Um, how do we keep validating this is the right direction we're going with so heaps of customer testing um, heaps of going out into the field listening to our customers understanding them regardless if you're a developer you know or you know um, or even a product uh, head of product Mm. I always encourage people to go out and listen to our customers and kind of be in their kind of position when you have that kind of emotional connection about how they're feeling, then that's where the best product development comes out from.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's incredible. That emotional attachment is super important. You know, I guess looking at your corporate career, and maybe we'll start with Medibank, um, you know, when you think about increasing app downloads, uh, you know, you've already got a really big brand behind you. Every, everybody knows who Medibank is in Australia. But, you know, when you want to get more people to download a new app at Medibank, what are some of the things that you think about? What strategies did you put in place to, to get additional users?
2: Yeah, so uh, when I first joined, our web platform had eight percent of traffic. So the the web kind of for members. So as you sign up, you sign into MediBank and you know all your covers, etc. The app itself had like uh, barely no traffic because it was never a, it was never exposed to them. So the first thing we did is put the app on the onboarding roadmap. So as soon as customer lands in, we we send out like a welcome email. We tell them to download the app immediately. The app itself, in terms of development and foundation, we had to lift up the foundation because we know that um, we need to leverage uh, the the new capability of mobile tech because that's where it's going to get really, really fun and interesting for members to use uh, and to be able to, you know, send them the right messages to push notification and alerts that's actionable for them. Third one is really to set up a beta kind of version for the app Um, We didn't quite get there yet before I left, but the idea was that we, instead of always going out recruiting for customers, for customer testing, how do we have kind of a beta version or a test and learn playground where Mm. we can continuously roll out features, um, reduce the cost, but also target different cohorts. This will create stickiness for the consumer. It creates them to tell another person to go download it um, and continuously enhancing the technology. So we were the first um, to roll out an Android digital card. All right. And we, yeah, so um, in Australia, um, so we rolled out the first Android digital card and followed on with other um, health insurance as well. And I believe the iOS, you know, digital card will roll out.
0: That'll help me so much. I lose every single (laughs) card that I ever receive.
2: (laughs) The thing is the wallet is getting smaller and smaller because so many things is going into the phone. And we also need to monitor the trend of our Android and Apple friends uh, because they really help shape the behaviour, how members use the mobile as well.
0: Did you have to worry about stickiness with a with an app like Medibank or was that more around the other apps?
2: There's another app that's out there called uh, Live Better, which is uh, to shape your kind of um, health habits. So by walking, you earn points, Live Better points, which ties up to kind of you can spend it through Medibank. So nice. that app is currently at the moment standalone. So before I left, we were trying to look at how do we make it either merge or we, we create it separately? Um, is uh, That's the stickiness that we wanted because if it's just solely Medibank app to mm. check your cover, make a claim, people come in once every three months mm. um, and that's okay because there's a purpose behind it. But if we want people to keep walking or changing their habit behaviour, that's going to be a daily kind of um, bring them on to to, to, to action it um, and getting them to log in once every week just to check their results is really, really important. So for us was really looking at, you know, what's the actual value that customers is going to get out of the app by, you know, checking in once a week? Um, and how do we connect them to different wearables? Because wearables are now, you know, helping them tracking mm. um, everything automatically. So there's a big focus on making sure when, they, when we want them to change their health behaviour, trying to make it as easy as possible.
0: Yeah, and was the kind of goal for that to increase your customer base, or was it to retain your existing customers? Did you go out and actively market that app to to possible new customers, or what was the what was the goal?
2: Yeah, it was a bit of both, actually. Mm-hmm. It was to retain customers, existing customers, and to build a continuous value for them to stay with us, that we're not just a health insurance, we're also a health you know, partner for you in the future. And that was a really, well, they're still going through it. It's a bit of a, uh, the brand is changing a little bit that we don't want to just to be there for when you're in trouble. So cover you for when you're in trouble. We want to be there from the very Mm. get-go to ensure that, you know, you're probably set up for your cover, but we're regularly checking in with you and ensuring that we have the right kind of health support for you to be healthy for you and your family.
1: You were part of the early wave of Agile product management in Australia. And when you think about Agile product management, it's become a bit of a buzzword in corporations. But, you know, being there at kind of like the, the, the foundation level, can you tell me a little bit about your journey growing with Agile and Lean methodologies? We'd love to hear more about how you brought that into corporations in Australia and, and what parts of that you've also taken into the startup world.
2: My first encounter with Agile was through, you know, business analysts. We never really had any product ownership um, kind of role. It was just a BA, and, uh, you know, testers and developers and CX working together, or UX working together uh, in projects. Um, as a time grew, it felt like, you know, the BA always had to go out and ask for permission and is this correct? So this whole, in the scale agile world, they've created a role called product owner. And product owner essentially, um, you know, can make decisions, prioritise the roadmap and work closely with the business and they're embedded in that domain, whereas um, in the past, you were just project by project, so you right. didn't really have that knowledge. And that's kind of like started to evolve into the product owner land, and the role of the BA uh, in certain organisations because the the team's so big and, and working complex areas, the BA still stands in there. But for zero, what I realised that because they work on, they focus on their own kind of end to end product development in the teams. Yeah. The VA is no longer really needed because they're trying to get everyone to be cross-functional. And what that means is that everyone can write a user story, everyone can write requirements, and then they just shape it together within a team with full autonomy on how they want to um, build a solution. Um, what as product manager like myself do is just kind of tell them what are our you know, goals, our strategy, where we want to Go. the product owner and the team will shape the roadmap on the of the execution to meet that goal. So that's where it's kind of transitioned now into more of a, a large tech company, which quite mature in the agility. In terms of lean, uh, lean in startup, I think we use a lot of lean in startup because to cut a lot of corners um, for us, but lean still, um, you know, across product management, agile and lean, there's still that fundamental, um, product management method which is you have to identify a problem you have to validate and test that the problem mm-hmm. exists mm-hmm. you' got to keep working through it build a solution and get people onto your product and then you have to continuously evaluate your product is still going the right direction and customer testing is always uh, has to be constant so that foundation never really changed but it's how quickly you get there to solve a problem which is where the agile and lean kind of comes in f- or oh, my from my perspective worked. Mm-hmm.
0: And in terms of you know you said you you get to cut corners a bit more in startups did you find that you had a lot more freedom in startups to to do a lot you know wilder testing or testing that might be a bit out of the box and in corporates it's a lot more kind of what's the word rigid rigid that's the word
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah totally in in lean like in our startup we could test on facebook market you know put $50 in yeah. and see who clicked on this clicked on this ad uh, and understand who's who are the cohort who actually bought this product or uh, view the ad and then who are their families or their look-for-like influencers. So that's really, really convenient. Um, there is no uh, legal boundary because mm. you don't have a really big branding mm. at all. Um, in the corporate world, um, what I find is you can still do that, but you have a team of people that are working with you. And that's what's important from a product manager in a startup, you do everything yourself. And when you go into corporate, you have to, you have a team around you. And that's the luxury for me is that, um, and you have to kind of coach and empower your team to understand what your goal is. And they're the best people in the expertise to actually help you through that corporate boundary, um, I find. So, like marketing, I just tell them what I need. And they're like, yep, no worries. I've got this covered. And they know the boundaries of work on the brand. Um, Same with technical guys, there's a huge suite of, you know, legacy systems versus new systems versus a migration system. So they will know the boundaries as long as you are super clear on your vision and your strategy and where you want to go, they can all help you with that.
1: One interesting thing for me. So I, I came from a corporate background myself before getting into startups. And, you know, when, when I first got out of corporate, I, I felt like there was almost a six month period of shaking the corporate off. And like, mm-hmm. I'd, love to, I'd love to hear, you know, what are some of the things for, you know, some of our listeners who are thinking about getting into into sort of the high growth tech space? You know, what are some of the changes that they need to make if they're shifting from corporate product management to startup product management?
2: The first thing is around you don't need a lot of money to invest in tools that um, that's going to create efficiency. So people are like, oh, I need to buy this tool so it can help me do project management charts. No, no, no. Just use a spreadsheet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just do everything for free because, yes, it will take longer, but you need to hold on to your capital yeah. to put money into marketing, to put money into build. These are the two only things that you should put money into. Yeah. Everything else is just... A, a preference to make it easier right mm-hmm. but you're not collaborating with anyone you probably have three people in your startup mm. just have a conversation uh yeah. share share a google sheet you know yeah. as and these things are and for me it was like it was a great lesson to learn because i was like oh my god to start a startup you need money you need to buy these tools because that's what we've been kind of a out of you know corporate is use mm. jira you mm. <laughs> you know use excel microsoft teams etc yeah um For me, there are so many free tools out there that you can use just to collaborate within your startup. Um, Most, a lot of them, I'll have to say 90% of them are free apart from development tools or, you know, Facebook marketing where you have to put money in. Um, But every dollar that you put towards in your startup needs to give you at least, you know, uh, 10 customers that come into your platform. And that was kind of the golden rule I kept kind of thinking about every time I wanted to spend something to make it easy for myself.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then there's so much noise out there and it's so easy to get kind of caught up in all the fun and fancy apps and the next exciting, shiny project or something.
1: Completely. Well, you heard it here from Teresa. You know, the only two things that you should be focusing on if you're building a startup is your product, which your customers love, and then acquiring more of those customers. (laughs)
0: Love that. So I just want to touch on your specific expertise on mobile retention. Do you have any advice for product managers and marketers out there on, you know, what strategies you can implement to retain those customers?
2: I think the first one is if you've got a web platform and you have got a mobile platform is make the experience seamless. Um, what this means is that if a customer enters through your web platform um, and go downloads your mobile app, they don't have to re-educate themselves on how nice. to use your product. And that's really cool, and that, that makes it super easy for customers to go. Oh, I get the transition from a large screen into a small, you know, uh, mobile screen, um, and vice versa as well. The product needs experience needs to be very, very seamless. Um, the next one is really onboarding. Um, I've seen a lot of companies. You know, onboarding is a huge issue. People get stuck. People get too many onboarding steps, like you know, five steps to get there. I think for I mean, I can't talk for the rest of the world. For myself, I really have like a twenty seconds, you know, attention span when it comes to onboarding. That
0: seems quite long. Um, <laughs> it's, it's,
1: yeah, it's pretty long.
2: <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe let's like, go like three seconds. <laughs> <one pretty quick. laughs> and you can you can see the the drive from Google, from Apple that now they have Apple IDs when you log in. You don't need to like sign up, email, validate again how do you make that experience of onboarding super easy and how do you get immediate value through your onboarding? So what I mean by immediate value is to be able to log in straight away, perform a few tasks and then um, allow them to, you know, continue finishing up some of their, you know, onboarding later on when they they can start to use your product on the get-go um, and, um, last one is really about, um, you know, the right messages that you push out to keep them coming back and you know, the stickiness of the app, the messages itself, uh, for me, what worked was it has to be actionable. So if you're going to send a push notification, it needs to be for them to action something. Mm-hmm. Then they will continue on remembering, um, the app of themselves as well. So for me, anything that you do has to add some sort of value or actual action for the customer, otherwise they'll never remember, um, you know, the app. Because if you open up anyone's phone, there are thousands of apps on our phone. I sometimes don't even remember half of it, and mm. I have it.
1: <laughs> thank God for Thank God for the search bar. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Um, so it's super, super important, and. Um, and probably, sorry, this is the last one, I promise. Um, the beta versions of your mobile platform um, to, con- to kind of um, save a lot of money customer testing, you know, I think it's really good to invest in a kind of a beta version of your app or a platform, a foundation where you can push out new things, you can ask your co- cohorts questions because that also creates thickness in the community and it makes them feel like they're they're helping you to create the app as well. And so they feel invested in your app at the same time.
1: One of the things um, I love, obviously, with the fact that you've had such a, a varying career from corporate to startup is, you know, you would have had a chance to do a bunch of awesome experimentations and test these across a lot of different companies. Where have you gone to to learn, you know, how to experiment better as a product manager? You know, where, where do you seek inspiration and advice?
2: In the startup world, I've obviously worked with a CEO who's, you know, been in product management for a while. Um, learning a lot from himself as well. When I was at Nab Innovation Lab, we have um, amazing CX UX people who understand experiments super well and understand, you know, the the fast learning and fail fast as well. Cool. Nab had a really a really good culture that where um, Nab Innovation was more like it's okay to fail as long as we learn from it. Um, and this is where it created the what we called an incubation where I sat was like. All failed experiments will come through incubation to, to get us to better understand why did we fail and how do we apply the learning to it. So for us, it's really look like if we believe this is not going to work, let's just cut it loose uh, and then we, let's work on the next best thing. But if we believe there is still something in there, let's give it to the incubation team and work through it a little bit better and to understand, you know, is it a pivot? Is it a merge of another idea? Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot of great experiments from, I guess, being in the innovation lab in the corporate as well as startup.
0: It must be hard to continuously create things and then have someone cut it loose because they don't, you know, they don't agree with it or they don't think it should go forward. That must be difficult.
2: Yeah, so you feel really because you've invested your time in it exactly, and yeah. you really believe, you know, this is it. This is my baby. It's gonna go rockets. You know, it's gonna launch. Yeah. Um, but then you put into in front of the customers, you're like, oh, that's not that's not what they wanted. Oh. Um, so for me, you know, I've learned that through through the innovation lab where it's that fast learn, uh, fast failing process, mm-hmm. um, you detach away from it and you go, what did I learn from it that can actually make it better? Uh, similar to startup, there was an idea that we thought to monetize it. Um, luckily in Singapore, a lot of other startups had that idea and put that idea on into the market and it shut down like, what, 20 money exchanging companies because they just, well, it was, went bankrupt because it was just the way we, they built the product in consumers' eyes. They never bought the product in the supplier's eyes. So that was a big lesson for me because we were building a, um, a marketplace um, platform. So in a marketplace platform, when you want to strategize and monetize, you need to care about the consumer but also like the supply and the demand mm-hmm. side as well. You can't just focus on the demand um, yeah. without, you know, helping the suppliers to actually meet those demand and making sure that, um, the platform is also fair for both sides.
0: And let's just touch on your current role at Zero. What's your current focus there? Because you've only just started in November, is that right? Yeah, it's uh, it's been three months. Yeah, um, with a break in between.
2: Yeah, with a break in between. Thanks for that. And 10 days in between my other role. <laughs> <laughs> say less than couple three A couple of weeks there. then. <laughs> um, yeah, so my my role is really um, focusing on uh, the mobile uh kind of um platform. That's the that's the area. The mobile platform looks like two parts. One is more the technical part around infrastructure, building the pipeline across the whole organization, where we have you know multiple teams. At the moment we've got about seven mobile apps with two more coming. Um, the second part is really around the customer experience, ensuring that whatever we build um internally we could reuse on another app. So the different components the different styles um because it's such a big organization um sometimes we don't talk to each other we just work in silos because it's just too big like you mm. can't tell the whole organization hey i'm changing the blue to green today yeah so it's a bit inefficient so my role is really trying to piece everyone together and go this is the standard guideline um use the guideline when you're building a new mobile app uh here's here's what the brand, you know, the flexibility of the brand you can use for and the purpose behind it. So it's really building that design system um, that we're trying to get everyone to, to work on. Um, and the third one is the, the strategy is like, where do we actually want to go with mobile and zero? Um, I think the last time they touched it was a couple of years ago, but yeah. now it's getting so important that mobile is people start their day with mobile and they end their day with mobile. So What does it mean for the desktop? The desktop is still very relevant because it is accounting. You do need to sit down and go through it properly. But what does it mean for mobility on the go for small businesses who are super busy on a day-to-day basis? Um, And how do we keep growing that and Mm -hmm. taking advantage of the new technology that's out there?
0: Are you basically taking a few key aspects of the main desktop zero and putting them into mobile or are you doing the entire zero platform onto mobile as well?
2: We've actually got um, um, a mobile app for the current desktop one from Zero, and then we've got a few other zero um, for employees um, and zero for like um, payroll um, and projects. Nice. So we're looking at, you know, how does each of these apps add value to a particular consumer? Um, and we are also looking at how do we reorganize our apps because there are so many and mm-hmm. you, you can understand when you join Zero, you can get really overwhelmed by which apps is it for me, mm. and based on my role in my organisation—an owner, an accountant, or a bookkeeper? So for us, is really um, really fixing that up and making it easier for customers to understand the purpose of each app.
1: One final question uh, for aspiring product managers. We always, we always love to ask this question. So, we have a lot of aspiring product managers and, and product marketers that are listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear, you know, what's what's the single best piece of advice you have gotten or what's the single best piece of advice you would give to an aspiring product manager?
2: Always learn. Continuously learning. Don't ever think that you know everything mm-hmm. um, because the world changes so quickly um, and the also the knowledge doesn't just is not just all from you you have to be able to kind of use your people around you so your team around you your marketing team your developers etc to get you the best kind of advice um and really work on the decision making you know um, it is quite scary being product manager because a lot of people tailor it as is a mini ceo depending on if mm. you're a startup or you're corporate yeah um the the kind of the risk of your decisions can vary from large to little. Um, but really work on risk management with your team. Like if we do this, what does that mean? What's the implication of that? And I think that's really something not many product managers think about when they're making that decision. Um, and take your time making the decision. Don't You don't need to answer it on the spot. If you mm-hmm. need to think about it overnight, just be transparent with the team.
1: Fantastic. Well, it sounds like product managers would make great CEOs then. So, uh, Teresa Huang, uh, Senior Product Manager at Zero. thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Awesome.
2: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Teresa.
0: Thank you for listening to the Net Positive Podcast brought to you by Upflowing.